welcome everyone. Evening. So, any questions tonight? Yes. Um, I read that today is the appearance day of Nityananda's son, um, Virabhadra, Virachandra, um, son of Nityananda and Vasudha. And in the writing about him, saying that he did the most to distribute the divine dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So I, I've just not heard much about him, so I was kind of surprised. Krishna. Virabhadra Goswami ki jai. Yes, Virabhadra Goswami was very famous um, in the line of Nityananda Prabhu. And um, um, he was um, very uh, prominent and widely following in the footsteps, in one sense, of Nityananda Prabhu, widely uh, engaged in wide dissemination of Mahaprabhu's dispensation and um, at the same time influenced um, by the uh, Baba of of, of Janava. So um, that is a, a point in which Nityananda Prabhu's line became more um, we find more uh, Madhurya Rasa appearing thereafter. And that, uh, of course, coincided to a large extent with the books of the Goswamis and their emphasis on such Madhurya Rasa and Mahaprabhu's highest reach and so forth. Um, but uh, he is an example, and we talked about this a little bit uh, concerning Narottam Dastakur of someone who was engaged in very wide dissemination that didn't seem to be at the uh, at the cost of the depth of the um, um, what the gift was ultimately about. It said um, it was thought, I should say, about Virabhadra Goswami uh, that. Um, and he's he, he he's he's often I'm not sure how Kabigar Karnapur refers to him. Perhaps Vishnu Tattva incarnation of Shirodakshai Vishnu somehow <laughs> tasting Manjari Bhav, so <laughs> but um um he was thought to, to have been the fulfillment of um, prophecies um, concerning re-advent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, or perhaps more um, so the uh, statement, I believe, that's found perhaps in other places, but also perhaps in um, or prominently in uh, Lochandas Thakur's work, Chaitanya Mangal, um, describing a great uh, general who, Senapati Bhakta, hmm, who will distribute uh, Mahaprabhu's mission to other countries and so forth. Hmm. So, 
you know, by this point, the uh, ocean had barely been crossed, perhaps by the by the uh, um, Spaniards, and uh, so communication wasn't what it is today. So living in their own world of Bharat, Bengal, Puri, different kingdoms, and so forth. Um, very uh, widespread dissemination of Virabhadra Goswami was thought to have fulfilled that uh, prophecy that a great general would come and take it to different countries and so forth. Nowadays, some of the Prabhupada's disciples uh, uh, identify him with that. and um, I think some articles have been written about it. But anyway, it's a testament to how well how he took up, which was something that was characteristic of Nityananda Prabhu's campaign, wide dissemination, you know, that Mahaprabhu um, uh, told him not to return to Puri, but to to stay in Bengal at a certain point for the sake of circulating further in that that area, his his teachings and so forth, which Nityananda Prabhu and his associates had already begun to do. So very uh, powerful, um, prominent uh, member of the Nityananda Prabhu. He's the the only son, I guess, direct son of of Nityananda Prabhu, and he didn't have any sons. So that's the end of the bloodline, if you will, of uh, that some people somehow identify with, even though they're not directly in it, and uh, to the point of a, of, a, of a fault. At least that was the perception of uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur at his time, and Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsati Thakur. They had quite a bit of uh, struggle with the Nityananda Vamsa, claims to being the family members of Nityananda Prabhu, which is obviously somewhat questionable in a literal uh, sense, given that Virabhadra had no no children. Virabhadra Goswami, he was called, <laughs> and he was truly a, a Goswami. So uh, I had a few words about him. Hmm? Something else? Marsh, comment? Well, I, I think that actually no problem. Virabhadra Goswami addresses tomorrow, I think, but no problem. Because I think it's the same day of Srila Siddhar Maharaj so the time that it comes. Hmm. But today's mainly but I would think if you would share some words about what's today sometimes considered as the appearance day of Radha Kumi, Bahulastami, but actually what we're speaking today, that sometimes it's said that actually today is not the day of Radha Kumi's appearance, but the day that Mahaprabhu rediscovered Radha Kumi, and they say that Radha Kumi's appearance was in Chaitra month, like April or May, so whatever the day of appearance is, I don't know so sure about the history of that other than um, yeah I, I do I'm, I'm a little bit aware of this some um, controversy about the mm. about that but um, but um, the uh, um, Radhakundas, I believe, mentioned in the Padma Purana, where um, the Kund itself is identified with with Radha, and the Goswamis take that up and and take um, expand upon the 
aftermath, if you will, of the Bhagavatam's um, Ristasura narrative, one of the last, if not, if not the last, I'm not sure, I think maybe he was the last of them, Kamsa's um, um, henchmen come to uh, Vrindavan with a view to, to kill Krishna. In this, in this case, in the form of a bull. So, um, cows, of course, are the livelihood of the of the cow herds. So, um, the slaying of Ristasura was something that, for the sake of argument in love, Radha and the gopis took exception to, and and found uh, uh, reason on the basis of such to avoid being touched by him. Hmm. Uh, such a a uh, impious and sinful act, and they were of course pure and and uh, didn't want to be contaminated by him. So um, uh, I believe that uh, he made a uh, perhaps they perhaps they posed that he would have to go and bathe in all the sacred rivers of, of India which would be pretty consuming for the ordinary person, but Krishna made them all appear at once. Hmm. Right. And um, and I think that um, doing so, he created Shamkund hmm. and bathed in it. Hmm. And then, uh, if that wasn't enough, then Radha wanted the Kund of her own as well. Right, so... Um, then he manifested Radhakunda as well. And um, by the time that, um, and, and of course the Radhakunda, uh, Chamkunda, they, they play a very um, big role, large role in the midday leelas of Radha and Krishna. Um, as Krishna goes out cow herding in, in the early morning, 8.30 or so, till about 11, um, at that time, 11 it switches into the midday pastimes, according to the Astakal divisions of the day. And um, the, this, uh, as I say, Radhakund and Shamakund, they play a big role, that area, in the midday pastimes, which are a something that's very um, uh, special and, um, I think, you know, fairly unique. Um, contribution of the Gaudiya uh, Sampradaya, such such pastimes in the midday, in the bright day. I mean, I've made the point that uh, subtly that uh, there are, of course, a, a number of reasons why Radha worships the sun. Hmm? Um, given her family line, her father's name is Vrishabhanu, and the family has a connection with the sun. Itself, but um, she's urged to do so, uh, and then she does this at, at, at midday in the Radhakund area. So she's urged to do so, um, as it would be, by her mother in law, hmm, having been assured by uh, friends of Radha who uh, are good at uh, pretending that they'll protect him, her from um, Nanda's son, who 
Satila thinks has a, so rightly so, somewhat of a bad reputation for flirting with the girls and so forth. And um, of course, she's she's she, she's married to to Jatila's son. So, given uh, confidence, confidence having been built up by Kundalata and so forth, and she encourages the worship of the sun um, on the part of Radha. In with a view to attain piety, so from from Dharma we get Artha. Hmm. That's the general idea, right? Um, well-being, material well-being, wealth, prosperity, and so forth, comes from uh, from good karma. So to worship the sun, and we, as she's encouraged her daughter-in-law, in a view to with a view to increase the wealth of her son and family, basically to get more cows, which was which was which was the wealth. So even she even provides her the red red dye and the milk from a red cow, uh, red uh, forest flowers and such items um, that are all uh, utilized in the in the Surya Puja, hmm? who uh, is also uh, known as Mitra. One of the names of the sun is Mitra. Mitra means friend. Hmm? And so he's worshipped with the colors of friendship, and he shows that friendship, as we said before, very early in the morning, as he smears the sky with a tint of reddish color. color, It's the color of friendship, Aruna. So seeing that early in the morning, although it's frightful and a warning that she has to get home Mm -hmm. before she's found out, it also causes her to reflect on the fact that she has friends, hmm, Narmasakas, who will be able to, who will assist her in the daylight, hmm, even hours, even in, in uh, somehow making the impossible possible. Meeting with Krishna, and um, and so for other reasons, um, she's, you can say, she's a, a sun worshiper as well. To that she might not get caught in midday. Hmm. Um, somehow the sun has to, who's making it hard, has to has to create some deception. And this is what's created in the Leelas, in the, of worshipping the sun god, where Krishna comes in and, and uh, with the help of Madhu Mangala, dis- disguises himself as the worshipable, and Madhu Mangala as the priest in the temple of the sun god, and and uh, so forth. So this is just kind of uh, um, segueing a little bit into the kind of uh, leelas that play out in that uh, uh, vicinity in the, in, in the midday. Mm-hmm. It's really, really kind of centered around Radhakund and Shamakund, mm-hmm. where there are groves uh, of different, uh, kind of like you got your home, place at home, and you've got your place in the forest that's yours. So. Narmasakas, they all have a place there, a kunja. They dedicate it to, to their Yuteshwari, the, the gopi that, whom they've also taken shelter of, that they can, they can come there, take rest, and so forth, and meet me there, and, and let me know what, uh, what service I may render, and so forth. Then they, and the, and the Sakis have their kunjas as well, and so forth. So 
it's a place that uh, it's a, the midday pastimes, and again centered around Radhika, and largely are very much developed um, by the Goswamis, and a kind of a unique uh, contribution as to the, the um, um, uh, features of the uh, love life in, in midday. Hmm? Midday leelas are as long in terms of the periods of the day that are eight periods of the day that, that, that divide the 24 hours as long as the as the nisha leela, the night leela, which from dark into the into the wee, wee hours and so forth. So the length of it uh, um, speaks of its uh, importance as um, it's uh, thought of by the by the uh, uh, our founding acharyas. And so, um, yes, Mahaprabhu, he um, did make a pilgrimage to Vrindavan, and there he is said to have identified Radhakund and Shamkund as, at the time, which were uh, uh, not not understood. It said that the, the Dham, just like the teachings at times, can be covered by time, hmm? Only to be uncovered and rediscovered and so forth, often by by some um, investment on the part of Krishna in his own lineage. Evam parampara praptamim rajasya mahata yoga nashta parantapa. So it's another example. The dam becomes covered and the bhakti vinod comes to uncover Navadvip dam, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and then under at his behest the Goswamis. They did this with Vrindavan. So he, yes, he founded, it's mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita. He declared, this is Radhakun, this is Shamakun. And it took the preaching and example, extraordinary example of, of the Goswamis to get the patronage of kings, to make the present-day gods there and, uh, and uh, make them accessible and celebrate them and, and so forth. So it's a very important uh, feature of the Vrindavan. Leland, particularly so of the of the, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Once you go into the midday and then um, gopis meet secretly in the middle of the day with Krishna, then there are unlimited streams of pastimes that flow out of the Radhakund and Shamkund um, center, I would say, of such midday pastimes. So you can certainly get lost there in in in, in midday. Shriyadakund ke jai, Shamakund ke jai. What else? Yes. I have a question about. Um, so, the festivals that we celebrate are very um, Gaudiya lineage festivals. And um, I'm wondering how, like, there's some festivals that are more. Hindu cultural festivals like Diwali is coming up, and it's in you know it's mentioned in the Lila, but it's not one. It's not a festival that we generally celebrate. Uh-huh. And you know sometimes I tell people like, I follow a sect of Hinduism, and so they naturally kind of think of the big Hindu Diwali festivals. Shivaratri or holy, and so yeah, I'm wondering um, if yeah, how those 
can they be incorporated, or is it better to focus on the festivals that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that in the Sadaka Deha we will focus on the the uh, festive occasions that are central to our own lineage, within which those other festivals are celebrated. Hmm? So theoretically, you can celebrate those festivals. You could chant the names of Shiva and Durga and and uh, Ganesh and so on and so forth and be perfectly Krishna conscious, but that's easier said than done. Hmm? And therefore, for the sadhaka, the practitioner, hmm, we are also taught to make a distinction between such names and personages and so on and so forth. And and uh, um, and uh, and it's and it's also a fact that those who will worship Shiva will honor certain days and festivals and the worshippers of Durga, and uh, and at the ex- at the expense of certain days that are sacred to us. So within the different sects, um, I think that holds true. Hmm? The difference between them, in another sense, as I'm saying, is that they are included within ours hmm? in, a, in a deeper sense, even while it, it will not likely be to our advantage to celebrate them in the present. But through the, through the central festivals, rituals, deities that we worship, and so on and so forth. Because we are worshiping, for example, Swayam Bhagavan, Swayam Shakti, then um, yeah, we have access to all the forms of Bhagavan, respect for it, and we find this in the Leela. In Ananda Mars's house, they're worshiping Narsinga. We generally don't w- recommend the worship of Dev. We worship Radha and Krishna, or or Natai, or um, Krishna and Balaram, our deities. But then inside of that, there can also be the worship of Nishinga and other gods and goddesses and so forth. Uh, Nishinga is a little bit of an exception, as prominent as he is in Gaur Leela and in Krishna Leela. So we do find some some of that um, worship, just to give it a, extend the idea, in our Sampradaya. With certain conception, you want to include the prayers of Bhakti Vinod for the Nishinga's blessing to enter the Rag Marg and so on and so forth, right? That kind of thing. So just to have the right perspective on it. But but more typically, it's not uh, it's 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 an, it's enough and hard enough for the sadhaka to focus their mind on. Hmm. On the uh, central uh, practices, themes, deities, um, rituals, and so on and so forth, and uh, it is highly recommended that uh, well, the the idea of of all forms of spiritual practice is to come to a kind of a one-mindedness, right? Sometimes it's said one mantra, you know, for one-mindedness, right? We have a number of mantras and 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 whatnot. We have a kind of variegated meditation of a whole leela and so forth because our ideal is determinate rather than indeterminate form of the absolute and then within that is all the varnashram and all the and gopis are worshiping katyayani and uh and nandamarsh is worshiping the shringa and they go to also uh, to uh 
sun god. We were just talking about worshiping Surya, the sun god, and uh, Shiva also. And what's that? Was that Leland? And, and we went to worship Shiva on on, on Shivaratri. And who? What happened? Was that? Was, was Nanda was swallowed by the serpent in that day and so forth. So all those are there. So it's it's a way of saying that, that these the gods and the goddesses and the different rituals uh, uh, relative to them and so forth, all that can be found in that, all that can be found in the Varnashram, all that can be found in the Mukti that could be attained, uh, that, that, that Shiva has attained and embodies and, and so on and so forth, uh, as well as everything in Vaikuntha and more is found in Braj. So it's very inclusive. Hmm. I mean, you know, you can be exclusive or you can be inclusive, and, and often inclusivity is also thought to be a, f- a fault because you 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 honor other traditions only by including them in your own, rather than in their own right. But the way that we do it in Gaudiya Vaishnava is pretty nice because if you the way that we include Shiva, for example, in the worship of Shiva within a is quite flattering, more than the Shaivites um, could say about him, we say, and so on, is the case. So we have a good case for a, a positive form of inclus, inclus, inclusivism, inclusivity, inclusivity, religious inclusivity, and you know this is the this is the and the and the and the, and the whole equation of Rupa Goswami is. Is one of feeling. So we were talking about this the other day. You know, distance by feeling, and and get stop. Everything's qualitative. Not quantitative. It's just not an issue. The modern world, everything quantitative is what determines reality. You measure it, how fast it goes, and you can prove it, uh, verify it by third person, and get away from subjectivity altogether for coming into truth and and so forth. And here we're entering into a super subjective world, so every all the measurements by feeling. That's how, for example, Rupa Goswami has made the, the kind of determination that he has at the onset of his text, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Akila Rasamrita Murti, he says. He's the, the very form of all uh, sacred... Uh, possibilities of uh, aesthetic rapture, mm, spiritual sentiments, and so on and so forth. Mm. It's and it's a very, it's a very good argument. And it's a very charming argument, also. Mm. And as I say, in the context of that, the, 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 how we look at the gods and the goddesses is is, is often more uh, more flattering than those who worship them exclusively mm, unto themselves do. Hmm. You follow? So I think that uh, that uh, you can hold off on the Navaratri, you know, festivities until you enter into the into the Brajlila there. Hmm. It's because I think for the sadhakas uh, that that will be uh, distracting in terms of the one-mindedness that's required for sadhana. So through the one-mindedness, then many possibilities <laughs> arise. We think the opposite materially by giving many thoughts and possibilities. Uh, then we will be more free, but it actually becomes more, more of a burden and impediment to our happiness. Too many choices is a problem. Hmm. 
I was thinking it's a little bit different, but I was thinking about this today because psychologically speaking, sometimes there will be criticisms of transcendentalists who advocate restraint and so forth in in uh, in, in, in in a number of ways um, over just uh, the freedom of choosing and tasting and experiencing and and um, and how that might uh, you know um, in, be result in a very uh, in inhibiting and uh, not letting people be all that they could be and so it's often you know looked at like that as a psychologically damaging perspective but the other side of it is of course um, we do that because of our conviction and experience that there's something more than what meets the eye and, and meets meets the mind mm-hmm. and the very self ourself our atma is, is more would speak of our source and um, from that point of view well it's certainly very damaging to forego restraint mm-hmm. in pursuit of that mm-hmm. And uh, remain in material existence, trying to be happy by acquiring more and creating more choices, and just kind of moving the like Plato, you know, of material energy, trying to make more out of it, and so forth. So, very, very uh, potentially damaging. So, you all need to be very psychologically balanced and with a strong vertical foundation and then a very healthy horizontal foundation, a very healthy vertical growth to set the example that material well-being actually follows spiritual well-being. Hmm. Yes? I don't know if you want to speak on this, but uh, the topic of the day is uh, the introduction of female Diksha gurus and because a lot of us may be in a position where we're questioned in that regard if you'd like, I know you've already schooled us sufficiently but just to review the underlying sentiments and some ideas that we could utilize if necessary so the question is can women uh, uh, serve in our um, school or lineage, as uh, as gurus, right? Mm-hmm. And um, well, I would say that the uh, f- um, uh, first response to that is that they have been for th- hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. They have been. Now, if you have a bag over your head. You know, and you think that your particular institution is the is the only one, and it and it doesn't have any connection or need any connection with the past. Hmm? A Gaudiya school that would, if if there was a if there was a Gaudiya school or sect, Gaudiya being you know our lineage which has many sects within it, um, uh, like a fountain that has many streams, right? If that uh, uh, one stream should become so extremely sectarian <laughs> as to see itself as the as the fountain and ignore the other st- streams, and in order to do so, you would have to ignore the past hmm, from where those streams have come and, and and probably the future. So, kind of living 
if you want to live in a vacuum like that, then um, um, then you wouldn't be able to come up with such a simple and obvious uh, answer. You know what to do now in a, in a, in our times with regard to how we might proceed in, in any given way. Um, obviously, um, is answered to some extent, if not a large extent, by looking back as to how it has been done, how it has been dealt with any particular issue in the past and so forth. Not that the past is now, it's different than now, but that will give us some something to draw upon. Hmm? But we may modify or adopt as is, uh, you know, as may be the case in our time, but to ignore the past hmm? and the other um, many uh, lineages uh, would would be um, would really uh, in terms of making any time and place determination with regard to a detail hmm? um, would would be uh, very short short sighted hmm? and uh, would subject one to you know be just being off on the wrong on wrong foot altogether um, and um, I see that happening. I, I believe in, in some some places where that's that's an issue. I I, I don't I don't uh, uh, like I said. There's there are there's a there's a long history of that, um, including some very prominent uh, uh, women gurus like Janava, Ganga, Mata Goswamini. Uh, they may be more rare than men, but that. <laughs> If you if you if you were to look back and say, well, those were exceptions <laughs> and should not be the rule, hmm? the only reason that they were more rare than the men was because of the social system at the time. Hmm? Our social system is is different. Hmm? Women are in the work field and so on and so forth, and in the, in in every field, in the political field and and uh, serving in different capacities in religious field now oh uh, yeah it's another thing let's think about the catholic church i think the pope was considering uh, married priests now or something like that i don't know what he what he said about women priests but he probably thought about it. he seems like a pretty open-minded guy hey francis francis could yeah. <laughs> so so um Um, you know, you, you, if you do look back, but you, but you, but you don't think at the same time, <laughs> then you say, well, yeah, there is a couple. Of, someone tells you, you know, you should look back. There's, but there are some, there are some even some prominent ones, very prominent, leading the whole of all the lineages. You know, having the kind of pra, that prestigious kind of position of uh, honor because of the saintliness of Janava, for example. Um, she was quite uh, quite prominent, and. Uh, to say that well, those, those are just exceptions. Again, that you have to look at the, the why they were exceptions. Hmm? Um, and that's largely a, um, um, a arising out of the social circumstances, uh, not about any inherent inability. Uh, I mean, what? Uh, <laughs> You want to look and 
I, I, you know, there was a time in this country before the 1920s that women weren't allowed to vote, on it, and before that they thought they didn't have souls. Hmm? I don't think you want to, you know, buy into some kind of inherent um, defect uh, of, of, of women when your own tradition hmm, has got women saints that, you know, are far and above the kings and the politicians of the time in terms of having a, a significant role in, in, in the world. Hmm? And bhakti, um, it, it doesn't play itself out differently amongst women and amongst men. In other words, if men attain a certain stage within bhakti of, of nishta, where, for example, their practice is, is fixed and it's, it's never, they're not distracted, it's not that the nishta of men is different than the nishta of, of women, hmm? right? So if they if you say, well, women could be gurus if they become to this stage, but men can be at this stage, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And we hear that kind of thing from some foolish, foolish people. Hmm? So, um, but anyway, that's one point. There are there are, um, there is. Uh, um, already, uh, we are members of a society where that question's already been answered, of a, of a lineage where that question's already been answered, and um, and the way it's been answered with a, with an affirmative would only be more affirmative in our times. But of course, all this depends, for that matter, on qualification, whether it be man or woman. Gurus are rare, period. So, <laughs> what about that? <laughs> well, so. Um, um, that should be uh, considered, and if they have less than highly qualified um, male gurus, that that could be as much or, or more of a problem hmm? um, in some 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 groups. Anyway, so uh, that's one thing, and then um, of course I think that. Uh, a lot of times, there's a conflation between Varnashram and Dharma and the Prema Dharma of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, really, which are, are quite different. One, the latter is a departure from the limitations and the prospect um, of that is found within Varnashram. Uh, and Varnashram is a system of really uh, making social and religious uh, differentiations and um, with a view to form a social whole body that mm. serves the same purpose for everybody hmm? and all that in consideration of the time and, and the circumstance and so forth. Um, but um, And so within that there will be, for example, duties for men and duties for women in the, in the Varnashram system. Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was was um, was re repeatedly uh, shown to be a reformer with regard to excess, in the least excess, within the Varnashram, where such differentiation led to led to abuse, or uh, led to the inhibiting of, let's say, women from participating in that which the Varnashram was at best was was seeking to. Um, Help to situate one horizontally speaking, 
so that they could go and make vertical growth. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, um, the way he uh, dealt with uh, um, the codice and his mother and um, uh, uh, there are a number of other incidences where he seemed to be a reformer and, 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 and in his time and circumstances, in particular with regard to the plight of, uh, of women hmm? under the uh, kind of an abusive um, Varnashram socio-religious system or distortion of that system. So anyway, they're, they're, I've seen in uh, one group that's having this, this, this discussion, this uh, te- a tendency to conflate Varnashram with, with, uh, with, uh, with, with Gaudiya Vaishnavism itself. Which is a, 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 a blunder and an initiation with that and so forth. Therefore, it was typical in Gaudiya Vaishnavism that if you were a member of the Barnashram, male member, and received the sacred thread hmm, for the diksha, uh, uh, which was available for the three castes, I believe, then you became, if you took the initiation within Vaishnavism, you would take it off to show that I'm no longer on that path, which is a material path. It's, it's, a, it's, it's you know, Brahman, Kshatriya, Vaishya, these are all material designations. We don't want to grow those material designations. We want to transcend them. So they would uh, distinguish themselves from Varnashram in that way. So, uh, whereas, um, make a heavier point, I, I believe, if you think that certain Varnashram prohibitions and um, what's the opposite um, proscriptions hmm, are such that by adhering to them your bhakti will be enhanced or by not adhering to them your bhakti will be affected negatively, that is an instance of your bhakti being covered by karma. Hmm? Rupa Goswami's very definition of bhakti is bhakti uncovered by karma. In other words, whether I do this within the Varnashram or not, hmm? whether the Varnashram says you should or says you shouldn't, it, it doesn't have any bearing on my on my bhakti. Bhakti is, 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 is independent of the Varnashram system. So when it comes to thinking that that uh, that Varnashram considerations are important with regard to who will initiate or not, hmm? um, then um, arguably you've, you're, you're moving in the direction of your bhakti being covered by by karma. That would be a serious, um, serious, serious blunder. And I've seen that uh, above and beyond you know this particular discussion um whether you're born in a brahmin family or not you know whether it would be someone would say whether whether you can initiate or not if you're born in a brahmin family then you can that's varnashram hmm? then only you're quali- some would say it, then only you're qualified to initiate which 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 means uh, well a good number of the great saints in our lineage are somehow not 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 authorized uh, not 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 bona fide um, so those 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 uh, uh, st- uh, st- uh, st- 
statements regarding initiation. Brahmins, that's their duty to do that within the Varnashram. Hmm? It doesn't apply to, uh, to Vaishnavas. I had a discussion with someone recently about this, and um, I quoted a statement from, I think, uh, the Padma Purana that says, Sad karma nipano vipro mantra tantra visharada. Whether you're, if you're born in a Brahmin family and you have all the six qualities of a Brahmin, uh, but uh, a Vaishnava guru, nasyad Vaishnava, sapacho guru, but you're not a Vaishnava, you don't have that ideal, then um, you can't be a guru. But if you are born in a family of uh, outside the Varnashram, Swapacha, hmm, and then uh, but you're a Vaishnava, then you can be guru. Hmm. So it's kind of a end point, right? You know, it's like checkmate. But then he said that means Siksha guru, not the Diksha guru. Hmm. Siksha guru is the one who gives instruction. Diksha guru is the one who gives the mantra. So I pointed out to him there that you are, um, first of all, the very term Siksha Guru is not found in the very Purana that I'm citing the verse from anywhere in any of its hundreds of pages and thousands of verses. Neither, Neither is it found in the Bhagavad Gita, neither is it found in the Srimad Bhagavatam, neither is it found in the Upanishads. Um... Vedanta Sutra. Anyway, it's a totally a Gaudiya term. Hmm? Doesn't make it bad, but it's a Gaudiya term, and it was in, it was invoked for a certain purpose historically within a Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? And um, um, and it it is also um, been emphasized by Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami that the instructing guru and the initiating guru are of equal spiritual qualification. The only difference is the function that they perform. Hmm? So this fellow is making the function or, or the, 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 the spiritual status of the initiator superior to the instructor, which is an error, and trying to make the point that the Purana, which doesn't even use the word, when, it, when, it, when the Gita says guru, it means guru, period. Hmm? Who gives instructions? Hopefully, and that's why you want to take initiation from <laughs> from him. And what guru? What what diksha guru is not a siksha guru for that matter? On some level, right? Mm-hmm. The only difference is you might have more siksha gurus than that, rather than just just the one who's initiated you. So th- that's an argument that often uh, pops up that has absolutely no no, no currency wh- whatsoever. So, um, yeah, um, um, there are symptoms of advanced devotees if they show up in someone, um, then that person, that devotee is going to become a a teacher just without trying. Hmm. People are going to want to learn from him or her. And... um, and uh, become students. So, I mean, that's the system, right? So, I don't know. There's a few few points we we talked talked about it before at some length, but 
it's uh, it's painful to watch that particular group that that's having that struggle to to, to see it's, it's it's very painful hmm. such uh, so much uh, misunderstanding and an inability to take even things that Prabhupada has said for example um, in, in context it's kind of an, almost an inability or unwillingness to use intellect in Krishna's service hmm. When Prabhupada speak about something culturally, how women were protected in Bengal or something like that, and and then you know you have to look and see how that would apply now, how that would fly now, and so forth and so on, and, and use your intelligence what he wanted to accomplish, and and the adaptability of bhakti to different cultures and circumstances and so on and so forth, um, but. Now, if you can't you can't do that, it is an it's, it's an unfortunate example of the, the the principle of the guru that is meant to liberate us, becoming the greatest obstacle because of not understanding what he's saying and not not being able to look at it historically in context, think about it, uh, you know, why he said where, how it would apply, how it might not apply, and the relativity of some of the statements and so forth. I mean, the, 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 this kind of approach, just like he said, we just do like this. This is just like they, those people shouldn't be gurus. You know, you're still at the stage of don't think, hmm? don't think. After a certain point, you have to start to think about what you've been taught, what its implication is in terms of time and place and circumstance. And yes, you had a question. Yeah, part of the discussion is um, the weighing in of the different Vaishnava sampradayas. Like, there's some. Uh, Discussions with Sri Sampadaya Mahant and introducing them with their titles and what they're doing and their PhDs and their, you know, who, very big Mahants. And then weighing in how this is against everything that is stated in scripture and whatnot. So is it just that we don't take that seriously because they're from different Sampadaya? We have our own Sampadaya. Why should we go to another sampradaya to learn how to be in what's what goes on in our sampradaya? Only if we don't think there is anybody else in our sampradaya except ourselves. So maybe we should ask somebody, which isn't the fact. So, I mean, you know, there are great saints in different sampradayas. They have their perspective. Hmm? We have great saints in ours. So we should turn to their perspective. And they're out and about today. So as well, the history is there. So that, that's just like. Um, again, that's just you're thinking you, you you are the only Godia group, so there's no one else to consult with, no other Godias. That's just a huge pr problem. I've seen that for for decades. That 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 idea, well, terrible. The other the other um, consideration is that the statements of these different uh, female diksha gurus in the different sects that's just incorrect research and it that's been just thrown out completely as unverifiable and unbonified. Unverifiable by who? What are you, what are you talking about? I mean, you can get the, the Diksha Patras letters that people get when they get initiated who their gurus are. What more evidence do you want? Hmm? And for that matter, you know, you, you can't really, you know, if you want to ask the Madhvas about issues like this, about guru, whether a woman can be guru, a man can be guru, and they have their opinion. Ask them if people born outside of Varnashram can be a guru, but you don't want to ask that because you already know what their answer is. 
which would disqualify the people that are asking the question. So, you know, it's it's very, it's obviously very sexist, pick and choose type of approach to things. It's not a fair and balanced um, approach. It, it's not looking for the real truth in the in the matter. I mean, statements like "There's really never been any women gurus." I mean, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, this is absurd. Well, it's just so rare. It's not. First of all, it's not that rare, but it's it. it there, there may be rare for reasons. Hmm? I mentioned what was the culture of the time. I mean, you know, only a certain sector of men were being educated. Education is, you know, you know, Prabhupada talked about women should be protected. What's the best protection? A little education goes a long way. <laughs> we protect you from a lot of men. <laughs> We need protection from, you know, so who are there? Your protectors, right? So called, you know. So, um, <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, I mean, the people, you know, uh, the, the people making those arguments are just prime examples of. Something that uh, that from my it just always like really touches a nerve in me. Such um, uh, inappropriate discrimination, racism, sexism, you know, uh, xenophobia, homophobia, and so forth. These things I, they're so foreign to me and to our culture, and 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 that uh, it's uh, it kind of touches a nerve. I don't like it. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah. Withholding the Brahma Gayatri from the women who was initiated. He won't give it to women. Well, not all Godis do that. Not all Godis even give the Brahma Gayatri anyway. So I don't know what he's thinking, why he's doing that. It would, you know, that would probably be, if he doesn't do it, that wouldn't be a new thing. But why does he even understand what it is would, would probably be another good question uh, to ask. Hmm. It's yeah. like in every religion, though. Like in Christianity, women weren't supposed to be pastors, but look at Dana. She's one of the greatest ones I've ever met. Well, it's just another right. it's just another field in one sense, yeah. whether it be the field of religion or politics or science or whatever. You know, women weren't uh, in these fields for uh, various reasons, and um, many of them not well reasoned, uh, inappropriate, and that's all. Uh, changing, so you don't want to be. You, you have to look at the facts. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, you know, y y the, the arguments against women becoming gurus. If you if you just dig a little deeper, then you just find a blatant example of sexism. That's all it is. So is, the question is: Is there sexism? Mm -hmm. You say, can women be gurus? Well, let me ask you a question. Is there something called sexism? Hmm? Is there, does, it, does it exist? Hmm? Then you have to see what their, what, what, what their answer is. Hmm? They have to do a fancy dance to get around that one. Um, because if you go, you know, it's not just that issue. It's, it's, and they should stand over here, and they should be seen but not heard, and, you know, and, and this and that, and they should cover their heads and toes and, you know. And uh, whatever else they, you know, they think, hmm. which um, 
you know, and there are plenty of examples of, of, of Prabhupada being quite uh, the opposite on, on such. Hmm? I remember once we were walking at Stowe Sto Lake, who was mentioned that the other day with Prabhupada in San Francisco, and the, and the, we were, uh, he was had visited the Berkeley Temple, and, uh, and the president of the temple um, proudly proclaimed to Prabhupada that in the temple, Prabhupada, we have only the men chant their japa hmm, meditation in front of the deities in in, in the temple. Hmm. It was a separate room for for the women. And then the Prabhupada, he, he said, right away he said, um, what did he say? He said, disturbed, oh yeah, he said, so that the men won't be disturbed. Hmm. He said, if the men, if the, if the men are disturbed, then they shouldn't be in the temple. <laughs> Something like that. But they should go. They should go. If they're disturbed, they both should be in the temple. If the men are disturbed, they should, they should go somewhere else and chant. So you know, these are just they're not. If you if you listen to Prabhupada carefully, he, he'll always give these like common sense, which is very uncommon, spiritual kind of overriding answers to issues. Hmm? Um, that to me are the definitive answers. Like when it was when when um, his personal assistant very early on, uh, what was his name? No. Upendra. Upendra. Um, um, this was like in the sixties, um, struggling with his own sense of identity. Uh, told Prabhupada that he was gay. I don't even know if the the gay revolution had started yet at that time. So, so Prabhupada, hmm, what's that? You know, and so he, and he said, well, you know, why don't you marry a girl? I said, well, it's because it's like this. And he, so Prabhupada said, well, find a nice boy and you know, carry on. You know, hmm. find a nice boy, get together, and chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> and uh, in spite of other things he might have said other times, that's like the real definitive. Um, answer on the issue. Example of Shastra Yukti, so to speak, Shastra Nipun, scriptural kind of genius. It's, it doesn't have any scripture tied to it, but it's like the essence of the feeling of it. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah, yeah. So um, he did that with regard to this issue too um, on a number of occasions. Hmm. Gaurash Saki is asking, um, so Srila Prabhupada did emphasize that women should be protected. Is that really more of a cultural consideration and that in reality everyone should be given proper protection? Well, I, what Prabhupada was speaking was about, about it was a cultural consideration in the, in, from his own experience. I mean, Prabhupada was coming from West Bengal and Calcutta, you know, a century uh, ago and so forth. And... Um, and um, he was he would sometimes and fairly often refer to his own cultural circumstances and how they were so conducive to uh, Krishna consciousness and so forth and so he naturally thought to incorporate them would be a good idea but you have to look at that and see well is it a good idea when we try it we play it out what does it mean how would it and then make determinations which he would also do hmm? 
Yeah, and then judge by the by the fruits, by the results. So it's natural, understandable that he might make a suggestion like that. But then if he said, well, here's the situation, Prabhupada, you know, in this country, we do it like this. And he said, aha, okay. And he did that. I mean, uh, that uh, some of his godbrothers said, and that Swami Marsh, he has women and, and men in the same in the temple chanting together, dancing, and how obscene that must be! You know, that, what, what what their idea was was entirely different from what it what it, what it actually was, you know. But you know, they, they, they so you know, it's not something that you would see at that time in those days, you know, in 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 a, in a temple out, you know, in, in a rural area or something like that. Hmm. Um, so Prabhupada, you know. He also made adjustments, um, and uh, you know when you take into consideration, you know, you say women should be protected by their by their fathers and by their husbands and and by their sons, and uh, okay, you know, sounds sounds good if their fathers aren't incestual, you know, <laughs> you know. In, if their, uh, you know, uh, husbands aren't uh, abusive, uh, you know, might work out. You know, they might. Uh, yeah. And and of course, protection is is, is a kind of a well, it's a, it's a loaded loaded word. Um, I mean, t- today a lot of women need to be protected from men. You know, period. So what about that? You know, so you know. Uh, these things come out, and then uh, in time, and you have to deal with it accordingly. Mm. So, some education, some laws, mm. yeah, maybe a better form of uh, uh, protection. Mm. And uh, you know, in a, in a simplistic way, that was that was tried in the early days of Iskon. I mean, I was living with with my wife and son. Believe it or not, that, that downstairs in an apartment, and there was an apartment above me. This is in Los Angeles, in a community, and in the wee hours of the morning, I heard this rumbling, rumbling. Like, What's that? You know, it's a problem, you know. And it was the guy up in the next room up above was beat, was beating his wife, thinking that it was the Krishna conscious way to protect her because she wanted to do something different from him or something. I'm weird, you know. I was like, what the, you know? I was pretty shocked, you know. I didn't. I wanted to do something about it, but then I was stopped by by some other householder, and I thought, "Well, this is weird." You know, I like the philosophy, but that's weird, you know. And um, there was a sannyasi who used to come around on a bus, and then he would park it, and and um, for some time he would give um, spiritual advice to the householder community. You know? So I went to him and I, and I was talking to him and, and uh, he said, "How's your wife and family and this and that?" And I, I said, "It's not always, you know, great, you know." But he said, "Have you ever tried beating her as a, uh, as a suggestion?" Hmm? And I was like, uh, "No, and I don't think I will. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks." So uh, you know, they, they in a crude way, in their own way, some of these men tried to. Adopt ideas that worked very differently hundred years plus ago in a different culture and meant a very different thing than what they think or thought it meant. Hmm? And so when you see that, then, you know you have to make uh, adjustments and so forth. So 
So, um, yeah, hope that answers the question. Yes. When I first joined Jadarani, used to tell me stories, and she said that she told, she asked Prabhupada, she wanted to be it, and with the brahmacharis you know, in the temple, and she said, can we, can we be brahmacharinis? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so instead of brahmachari, brahmacharinis. And then there's another story too about Yovinadasi, um, how she was really upset that Prabhupada was um, giving. Gayatri to the man, and so she stayed home in her apartment, and she didn't come, and Prabhupada was wondering where she was, and she just couldn't help herself. Finally, she said she just went to the temple, but she was really angry, and Prabhupada said, I knew you wouldn't be able to stay away, <laughs> and then, you know, she he said, what's the problem, and she said, well, why are you giving it to the men and not the women, and he said, okay, come tomorrow, and I'll give it to you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you have to figure out that the problem is trying to navigate a course on another planet, you know, how things work, how people think here, you know. And so he would see, try something, see the result, and then he would he would res respond to it appropriately, like any rational person would. So it's irrational not to, not to do that. And then again, to use your intelligence and your power of discrimination with regard to the instructions of a guru according to time and place and circumstance and distinguish... Uh, relative statements from scriptural statements. What's bhakti? What you know? What's cultural? And so forth. I mean, and I mean, it's so bad that even to say that is blasphemous in some circles. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, what, you know, there's no hope for that. <laughs> I just yeah. would like to say something on the record, Maharaj, to correct that story because it's a crucial story. Which one, Govinda? Yeah, and it's not Govinda's recollection. Oh. She didn't go because she was upset that Prabhupada would take on the karma. And oh. so she was thinking like in that way. Oh, because I, I listened to the, the, um, you know, the talk. Anyway, it's it's a point. It's a very serious point. And on this point, people are saying Prabhupada made a mistake and was forced by oh. women to. Prabhupada was not controlled by his disciples. That's for sure. All right. Shri Shri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanand. Anshakalpaturubhyas Chakripasindhavir. Anshakalpaturubhyas Chakripasindhavir.